from now from ch- on chapter 7, verse number 8. I'm hoping to do two psukim at least, but uh, I'm not sure if we're going to because there's some really, really nice ideas in this, um, in this, in this verse, number, uh, verse number 8. So let's see where we go. So the Pasuk says, um, Tov, Tov achrit davar mireshito, that the end of the matter is Tov is better than the, um, than the beginning of the matter. Tov erech ruach migvar ruach. It's better to be, erech ruach, they translate as like slow to anger. Slow to anger than gvar ruach, than to be haughty. And uh, so let's try and understand what it means. Erech ruach is like being, being patient. So, the, um, so Rashi tells us simply that what it's talking about here it's better to be um, to to the, the beginning is better than the, 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 sorry the the end of the matter is better than the beginning. Rashi says kamashmoor. He says um, simple <laughs> as it implies. What does it mean? At the beginning of the matter, we don't really know what the end is going to be. But at the end of the day, when things finish off well, then everything is good. Um, and that's really, I think, based on a medrash. The medrash tells us about Yaakov Avinu. And that medrash is brought by the Orachaim Kadosh. That the, the, the Yaakov Avinu, it says that Yaakov Vayechi, he lived, he lived a certain amount of, of years. And Vayechi uh, Yaakov. So when it says the word Vayechi, that he lived, so the, 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 um, the commentaries explain whenever it says the word Vayechi, it means that the person lived in a way that was Chaim Shal Shalva. It was a, 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 a life of pleasantry, a life of uh, everything was okay, it was all easy for them. So we know that that's not true for Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov didn't live an easy life. Yaakov, had the, of all the people, he had the most terrible life. Of all the Avot. We know Avram Avinu was busy and, he, and, he, and he's praised for the amount of incredible things that he did. Yes, he went through 10 tests. But not, none, notwithstanding those 10 tests, his whole, his whole life was not um, difficult all the time. He had 10 tests and the rest of his life was really quite, quite good, quite pleasant. Um, Yitzchak Avinu we don't know much about. But Yaakov, every single um, juncture of his life there was a challenge so first he has the challenge with his brothers then he goes has the challenge with Lavan then he has his challenge again with his brother then he, lo- then he loses his child that doesn't really die and then he finds him again so this whole world of Yaakov is not really a world of shalva of, of, uh, of quietness of sheket of peacefulness in fact it says the parsha Vayeshev Vayeshev is is uh, is the parsha in which all the difficult things that happened with Yaakov's sons happen. And there it says, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Mugurei Aviv, that Yaakov dwelt in, the, in, the, in his father's, in, his, in, the, in the place where his fathers had dwelt. And, the, um, and Rashi picks up there, says, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev Beshalva, that Yaakov wanted to live a life just now where everything was going to be simple now. He had, he had finished his, his battle with his brother, he's got his family, he's got his wives, his, everything's fantastic. Um, yes, Rachel has passed away, but please God, he's going to be able to live a life now where everything's quiet, and that's when the whole story of, ya- of Yosef happens. And Rashi says, because with Bada Tzadikim, it's not, it's not always easy to have a life of Shalva because HaKadosh Baruch is constantly testing them. But it ends his life, which says, Vayechi Yaakov, that Yaakov lived. And so it says, the Orachai Makadosh, 
that um, this is what this is the, the what this pasuk means that um, when someone concludes his life on earth in a happy frame of mind, his entire life may be considered as having been a happy one, which is quite a quite a statement to make. If a person is able to at the end of their life be able to find that contentment that they were looking for through their lives, then kind of it seems to be the way he wants to say it is that uh, everything that happened before is, uh, is pushed aside. And even though there are painful memories, um, nonetheless, the actual, the, the, the way that they complete their life in a happy note makes their whole life a happy world. Okay, so that's, uh, that's the, that's Orachim HaKadosh. The, um, the, sorry, which, okay, so, yeah, so the Matunas David says, the, the following. He says a little bit differently and, uh, and he links the two together. He says that the, this concept of the better the end of your life than the beginning of your life and this concept of being patient rather than haughty, he links the two together. And he says the following. He says, in the same way that uh, the end of the matter is always better than the beginning of the matter because at the, end, at the beginning... At the beginning, when something starts off, you don't really know what's going to happen. There's, a, there's a, an incredible lack of clarity. You may have a vision of something. You may have goals to achieve something. But at the beginning, you're not really sure whether that's going, whether that's going to actually pan out. But when at the end of the, the process, and you track everything back, you know everything. You know exactly what happens. And then he says, So too. It's better. That if a person is able to be patient with their anger and not go immediately into a battle, into a fight, into an argument, it's better than a person who is, who is haughty. Because when a person is haughty, when a person thinks that they're always right, when a person thinks that they are always correct in what they are saying, in what they are doing, in the way that they, they're behaving, then they immediately will respond defensively to any manner of criticism or any manner of, uh, of attack. And then he says, Ki such a beautiful like, uh, take on, on anger. He says, a person who easily gets angry, or made who are dying with khilat hariv, that he will, a person who gets angry and, and argues out of that anger will always stay in the beginning of the argument. And he will not get to a point where he'll be able to know what's going to happen at the end right? because he's a person who's, who's angry stays in, the, in that space of the argument that started the argument. But if a person is patient and a person thinks things through and responds rather than react, then um, then uh, then then if then at that point in time, because one is able a little bit more to process that which one is arguing about, therefore the uh, the the argument kind of settles itself and everything sorts itself out. But what happens in many of us? Is that when we when we're feeling very strongly about certain matters, so we get uh, quite hit. We get quite um, what's the word? Like passionate. I know I do, right? We get really passionate about the things, and then we forget actually what the real argument's about, what the real issue is, and that's why the the, the, the most powerful thing, and that's why it says in Pirkei Avot that the um, the greatest means 
for acquiring chokhmah is shtika, is keeping quiet. Because if we keep quiet, we can actually hear what's going on and be able to process things properly. I thought that was a very beautiful concept that the Matsuda David brings out. That um, to understand that the end, when, you, when you're able to have the end of the matter in sight, right, then the beginning of the matter can fall away. Uh, and really, I think the, all the two of those come together in a, in a, very, impo- in, in a, in a very beautiful way. Comes along the, uh, the Torah Tamima. The Torah Tamima quotes the Medrash. And the Medrash t- tells us a, a story. That there was this, um, this Persian, Chad Parsi. So this Persian comes to Rav. Rav is one of the greatest sages. There are two, there, there, throughout the Gomorrah, there are, um, there are different sages that, uh, that constantly like, uh, have machlokas with each other because they see things differently and that's really what, where the, the whole of the process of Torah develops. So there's, for example, we all know Hillel and Shammai. Um, but then you also have Rav and Shmuel, you have Rabbi Yochanan, Rosh Lakish. There's a whole bunch of different pairs. So there's Rav and Shmuel who are, at their, at, in their era, they are the greatest of the great. And they, they really are great. So the Torah tells us, Pars, sorry, the, the Midrash says, Chad Parsi Rav. There was this one Persian who comes to Rav, Amalai, and he says to him, Lamdeni Torah, teach me Torah. So he says to him, so okay, so where does, where does Torah begin? If I said to you, teach me Torah, where would you start with the learning of Torah? Nikki, where would you start? I'm, I'm asking you. I can't hear. So it's interesting, right? When someone comes and says, I want to learn Torah, I also thought, when I started reading this, I thought, okay, where is he going to start? Where would you start teaching Torah? Do you start with Bereshit? Do you start with um, Pesach? I don't know. Where do you start with Torah? Do you start with the giving of the Torah? So you know what? What Rav said? Rav said, you know where you start with? You start with literacy. Literacy is the most fundamental part of learning Torah. So Rav says to him, Aleph. Say Aleph. So the guy says Aleph. He says, say Bet. So he said Bet. So he says to him, those are the beginning of the building blocks of the learning of Torah. And by the way, that is such a fundamental when it comes to education, right? Is that often we get involved in like all the, the stuff. In the day, you've got to learn Aleph place. You've got to learn the building blocks. So, um, so I mean, that, that's a separate drosha, but let's carry on. So, so, so the Persian says to Rav, great. Um, fantastic. But how do you know that an aleph is an aleph and a bet is a bet? Where do you get you saying it's called an aleph and a bet? But how do you know it's an aleph? How do you know it's a bet? How do you know those are its names? So what does Rav do with that? Rav, it says, the Torah says, sorry, the Midrash says, He got so angry with him, he kicked him out. He says, well, what are you, what are you questioning? What are you, you, you don't know anything, just get out. So what did he do? So he went to Rav's like uh, opposite, Shmuel. And he said to him, the same thing, I want to, um, I want to learn. Um, so, so he says, okay, but uh, you know, I heard that uh, Rav told me that you were coming there. So what happened with Rav? So he told him the whole story. So Shmuel goes up to him and he grabs him by the ear and he squeezes hard. And he starts pulling him out, and this guy starts screaming, oh, my ear, my ear, you're hurting my ear, you're hurting my ear. So Shmuel says to him, so who said it's called an ear? So he says, well, everybody knows it's called an ear. I mean, what else is it going to be called? 
So he says, well, so too, everybody knows that an Aleph is an Aleph and a Beis is a Beis. That's its name. And immediately, Immediately this Persian um, thought, ah, oh, that's an amazing, what an amazing answer. And he starts learning Torah. And that's what says the Midrash. Have, and this is Tov Erech Ruach That is, a, that is a, 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 an expression of this possible that it's better to have patience than to get angry. Tov Erech Ruach. Shel Shmuel, shel Rav, that the uh, the patience of Shmuel is better than the uh, the passion of Rav, because if Shmuel had not done what he did and he had thought about it carefully and he took him by the ear, then what would have happened? Then this Persian would have gone back to his uh, his old ways. And what are his old ways? So it could be that his old ways are just that he's a bit of an he's just an arrogant chap. All his old ways, the Persians were not exactly the biggest friends of the Jewish people. And, uh, and if he had had such a negative experience with Rav, it could have been that he would have been responsible for some terrible things that could have happened to the Jewish people. So the, the, um, the, the, that smacks of a similar story that we know about Hillel and Shammai, where this Ger comes to them and he says to them, you know, he wants to convert on one leg and, uh, and there's this whole story, Shammai kicks him out and Hillel brings him in. So there's a certain value that the Midrash is presenting in... Um, in, in the value of patience when it comes to people. And, uh, you know, very often, and that, that's the Torah Tumima goes into that, and he says that why was Rav, how, why, how could Rav, Rav is such a great sage, why is it that he responded the way he did? He said, He says he, he, he couldn't, he didn't suffer fools very easily. Um, and uh, the, the people, the, some people are like that. I mean, I find it hard when people say silly things, not to like, kind of like ignore them. But the lesson that this, that this Midrash is teaching is that if we, if we don't create that patience within ourselves, then we don't know what the outcome will be. And, um, and often, it's, and it's in any arguments that we have, it's in arguments that we have, sorry, not arguments, disagreements or um, debates that we have with our spouses, with, uh, with the, the disagreements that we have with the people that we work with, with our friends. Um, sometimes we don't allow it to pan itself out to its end point, And maybe we have to make the change, not them have to make the change. The Persian, the Parsi never ever did anything different. His, his approach to Rav and his approach to Shmuel were identical. It's just the way that Shmuel responded was that by, by showing him with the, with the ear that an ear is an ear, that the things that people call things are what they are, right? That, that what made the difference. So that, maybe that's uh, what this, this passage is really teaching us, is really to, uh, to allow ourselves to grow in a space which may be a little bit more uncomfortable than we'd like it to be. Okay, the... Um, the, the, the Rashi also says um, one last thing, which is really nice, that uh, he says, what does it mean, that the end of the matter is better than its beginning? says, you know when it's really fantastic? is when it starts from its beginning, that there's good intention to it, and the intention pans out, that the whole thing works out. So therefore, when that happens, really, even though you had good intentions at the beginning, at the end, when, that, when, it, when it manifests into those good intentions, then one gets a real sense of sipuk, a real sense of, um, of enjoyment from that which was done. Um,
Okay, let's carry on. Next pasuk. The next pasuk, pasuk says it's as on a similar uh, on a similar vein. Now it seems to be talking a lot about about anger in in Kohelet. So he says, Don't allow yourself to baruchacha in your in your ruach, in your spirit, in yourself, in your essence to become anger angry. Why not? What's is it so bad to become angry? What's the problem with anger? So he says, you know why? Because anger vests in the, um, in, in the breast of fools. So what does that mean? So the, the, if you, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very simple. The basic saying, don't, don't, don't allow yourself to quickly get angry. That's really what he's saying. Why? Because there's something about anger that, um, that, that makes you into an idiot. Right? That anger vests in the breast of fools and makes us into an idiot. And says the Torah Tmima, quoting from the Gomorrah in the Darim, Amar Rabbi Yarmiyah Midifti, that Rabbi Yarmiyah who said Midifti, Rabbi Yarmiyah from Difti. This is the place in Israel. That any person who gets angry, Mishkach Talmudor Mosif Tipshus. A person who gets angry, it's so amazing, that it's so, so clever. A person who gets angry does two things. Number one, they forget their learning. Number two, they add, they make themselves into an idiot. Uh, because they, um, they, they, they're like, they make them, they add foolishness into themselves. That's the, that's the, the basic uh, translation of it. And uh, explains the, what is, it, what is he saying? He's saying that when, when, when we get angry, why would a person forget that which they learned when you get angry? Just because you get angry doesn't mean that you forget everything you've learned. You know, I don't, when I get angry, it doesn't mean that I suddenly like, um, you know, don't know how to drive a car. Or I suddenly don't know what the Shema is. What do you mean that you get angry, you forget all your learning? Right? What does it mean? It's a very powerful concept. What it means is that when we get angry, we forget our learning. It means that Anger is so far away from a cerebral space, okay? It's so far away. It is completely non-cerebral getting angry. It's pure emotion. And when it's pure emotion, everything in, the, in that space of the, uh, the time of the anger, everything that you've learned, everything that you could possibly know doesn't fit, doesn't fit into your head because at that point in time, it's, a, it's coming from a completely other space. Umosif tipshut, and not only that, you make yourself into an idiot. And, uh, and that's something that we, we all have to be aware of and all have to be careful of, obviously, in, um, in, in the way that we, we, we deal with things. The, um, the on, this, on this idea of, um, of, of the, the ruach of a person, the, the Rabbeinu Bachaya um, starts speaking about, uh, about the nature of the soul, the nature of, of our lives. And what is this concept of uh, where it says that we, um, we, that we forget your learning, what is Chochmah, what is all these, all these different things. So he says the following, and um, it's quite a long Rabbeinu Bechaya, but if you don't mind, I'd like to share it with you because um, I think it's an important thing. So he says the following, you should be aware that scientists are divided in their views about the nature of the soul. So the people write all about different, what is the soul, what is it, what isn't it. So he says the following, that uh, the Rambam, in his, in his introduction to Pirkei Avot, 
says that the, that the neshama is a single force which has three subcategories. It's the category which has our desire, our tavot, which is the similar thing that we have with animals. Animals also have desires. We have physical desires. Then there's a source of, uh, of growth that's just simply a, a, a way of where we're able, able to, to become bigger people. And finally, is the ability to think, which is the soul, the soul of Chochmah, the, uh, which is fundamental. So he says, all of these, according to the Rambam, are all part of one single, of one single soul. Right? But others, like the Ibn Ezra, says, no, it's not that there's one soul, one neshama in a person, but rather they're different, they're different forces, spiritual forces within each, each person. And the animal soul is one type of soul, and the soul of growth is another type of soul, and the soul of chokhmah is another one. So he says, so that's why you find that the soul sometimes is called the nefesh, sometimes it's called the ruach. It's called different things in all different times. He says, now... Um, what we need to understand is that uh, is that the, the, the ultimately the soul is that is that source is that place of chokhmah. It's the place where all ultimately chokhmah resides, and since all chokhmah ultimately resides in that in that soul, therefore, when a person is able to um, overcome the desire for anger or overcome the need to, to express themselves in that way, what it does is it elevates the neshama, it elevates that aspect of the soul of the person, that third part, which is the, the seat of all of Chochmah. And that's really why, um, if you're able, to, if we're, not you, if we're able to overcome that, uh, that reactive phase in our lives and make it into a, res- to, to a responding phase, which is a thought-based phase, then we're able to... Um, to, to, to tap into that highest level of the neshama. But if we don't do that, then we fall into the lowest level, which is the level of, uh, of monkeys. And that's what the tip should is. That's what the full, full, fullness is that the, um, that the, uh, um, that the passage speaks about. So that's what I wanted to t- just to go through on, um, on, uh, um, on Kohelet. I just wanted to also mention this week's Parsha is the has got the, the second paragraph of the Shema in it. And uh, I learned a very beautiful thing, which I'd like to share with you. Um, those who may have heard it on Tuesday, please excuse me. But uh, I, think it's an imp- I think it's an important lesson. So it says, um, in the second paragraph of the Shema, it says, We speak about the, the first paragraph is, is uh, taking upon ourselves the yoke of heaven. And the second paragraph is like reward and punishment. If you will listen to the word of Hashem, and we speak, uh, we speak about Hashem has given us this thing, about what's the mitzvah that, that we have to love Hashem, we have to love Hashem and we have to serve Hashem with all our heart and with all our soul. And on that, the Sifri asks, what does it mean to serve Hashem? Where, in what space do we serve Hashem? So we, we understand that the world has got, um, is based on three pillars. There's Torah, Avodah, and Gilut Chasadim. And it would seem to be that the word Avodah and the word La'ovdah and to serve Hashem are the same thing. So what is that La'ovdah? What is that Avodah that we, have to, um, that we have to do, that we have to serve Hashem with? Um, so we would normally translate that as being Korbanot, the bringing of different offerings um, in the Beit HaMikdash. That's normally the way we understand that. 
However, the Sifri says, now that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, what, what, how do we manifest La'ovdo to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And he says, La'ovdo has got two spaces. The first one is the learning of Torah. You have to understand how that works. And the second one is um, the, 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 the way in which we daven. And the way he explains that, because the purpose of, the purpose of serving Hashem is to connect as much as we can with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, because that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to connect with Him. That's all He really wants. Um, how do we do that? So in the days of the Beit HaMikdash, the way we, we would connect would be coming into His home and creating a relationship in His home. That's the Beit HaMikdash. When we don't have that anymore, so then we've got to find the space where HaKadosh Baruch Hu vests. Where does He vest? So He vests in two places. The one place He vests is in the, the space of our, of our Neshama, which is, our, which is in our head. And that's Torah. The other place, the other place he vests, is he vests within our very essence, in, our, in, our, in, our, in the thing which, which drives our physical activity, and that is our heart. Uh, the way, the, way the, the Kabbalists explain it, is that it's, uh, the heart is the driver for taiva, for desire, and the head is the, is the, is the driver for like, uh, um, cerebral space, for, for Torah learning. And so therefore what our Kodesh Baruch wants us to do, to serve Hashem b'chol b'chol is where we have to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the way that we learn, what we learn, the relevance of that which we learn, and also the way that we daven. Um, and both of those are actually very difficult spaces because what really what he's saying, the, the Sifri, is that the Mizbeach, the, the altar of our lives without a Beit HaMikdash, is the altar of the way we think and the altar of the way we behave. And um, not towards others, we can get that, we'll get to that in a moment, but the way we behave within ourselves and the way we think within ourselves. Because the, the depth in which we are able to connect when there's nothing else around, that's really what we have to try and achieve, the greatness of, uh, of, of connection to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Then there is, so that's two pillars. The one is Torah, the one is the service of Hashem, and the other one is Avodah, and the other one is, is, uh, is davening, connecting to Hashem in that way. And then there's a third pillar. And the third pillar is Gimelut Chasadim. And so it's an amazing thing because we say that since the, now that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, we, from the Sifri we learned that the Mizbeach, that the altar is, the, is Torah. We also learned that the altar is the Avodah. But we also have another Gomorrah that says that the Mizbeach in the world today is our table. The place in which we are able to bring other people in. Where we're able to bring other people to sit around to give them which they that food, sustenance, whatever they need around our tables. Now these times that we live in are obviously impossible to do that. You can't have people around your table um, unless it's your own family. So so how do we fulfill the fact that our tables become our mizbeach? So the mizbeach says the uh, the slonim Rebbe had something that was fun, was fundamental, and what was that? And that is uh, is that the mizbeach had always there was always a fire burning on the mizbeach. And if there's always a fire burning on the Mizbeach, on the altar, it means two things. It means there's always, there's a consistency, and, there's, and what is the consistency of? Fire, which is passion. And he says the way we can bring that Mizbeach into our table, and our table is our table, we we're sitting around our table with our family, is to make sure that what the conversations, he says, that are happening around our table are conversations around things that we think, around positive action, 
Because if we can't have people around our table, then at least we can speak about and instill within our children those values. And when we understand that, we can understand what the Nitziv said. The Nitziv last week in the parsha of Shema Yisrael, where it says, um, now I can't remember the passage. I mean, of Shema Yisrael. Can you believe it? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein, Hashem Echad, V'hafta Hashem Elkein, B'chol Levav, Chavchon, Nechom, Ladecha, V'ayu Advarim Ha'ele, Asher Nochim Etzavcha, Yom Alevavecha. It says that these words, we have to be understand, we've got to love Hashem, etc., 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 but these words must be Alevavecha, on your hearts. So what does it mean they must be on your hearts? It doesn't help to be on your hearts. So the Natsif says an incredible thing. He says that it's not only about the action of what we have to do. But part of our obligation in our lives is to instill within ourselves and within our children and within our families and with the people that we come into contact with is the understanding of what it means to be Moser Nefesh, to, to go to the nth degree for the values that we hold by. And that's really what, what um, I think the Slana Marebbe is saying as well. If we have passion, even when we're not able to manifest the desire to do chesed and to have people around and to bring people closer to Hashem and to bring people into a Shabbosic environment, even if we don't have the ability to do that, if we can show the passion and express the passion and, and teach our families that that's part of what we do as Jews, then we fulfill that concept of lo'ovdo, to serve Hashem, to serve Hashem with everything that we've got. Because even if we can't do it, at least we're teaching that that needs to be a very essential thing. And I think that that's, that's something that always um, comes to my mind when I think about like, what would our generation do? Chas um, Shalom, we had like a Holocaust, not God forbid, that experience, but that type of experience where we are so challenged in our faith and we're so challenged in our belief in our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And in our trust in our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Have we taught ourselves and our children to, to be resilient in the face of challenges? And that's really what the question is. And I think that that's something that we need to work on because that resilience in the face of challenge is a, is a general concept of resilience. And please God, we, we do do that. We're able to give our children that, that strength, that ability to cope no matter what it is because based on not only the tools that we give them in the... Uh, of coping, but also based on emunah, on the depth of faith, and the depth of bitachon, and trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a beautiful Shabbos, everybody. Hope uh, you can carry on, please God, next week. The fact that school is going back, does that make a difference in terms of the, um, the timing of the shir? Are we happy to leave it at nine? Do you want to make it earlier? No, I think we should leave it at nine. Okay. Yeah, and now that we can't be in, inside. Okay, so we leave it at nine. Great. Terrific, guys. Have a wonderful Shabbos. God, God bless. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. You too. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.